This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. I'm Roshan Kandesan and you're now listening to Enterprise Biz Bites. It's Monday, June 26th, just around 12.05 p.m. And today we're going to be talking about Malaysian unicorn Qasim and its recently announced funding round. Last week, Qasim announced that following its bridge, recent bridge round, its liquidity position rose to 200 million US dollars, which is roughly around just around 922 million ringgit. While the amount that was raised in the round was undisclosed, it looks to be in line with the reported 45 million million dollars that the company was trying to raise given that its stated liquidity position before the announcement was around 150 million dollars the round saw new investments from existing investors including Qatar Investment Authority Gobi Partners and Asia Partners but also saw the entry of a new investor Evolution X Debt Capital which is providing a long-term debt facility Evolution X Debt Capital is a growth stage debt financing platform that provides an alternative source of financing to technology companies here in Asia. This funding round announcement comes after the Malaysian unicorn received some backlash and criticism for apparently petitioning the Ministry of Finance to recommend Malaysian sovereign funds, government-linked investment companies and GLCs to invest in their company. The company did issue a statement to clarify that it wasn't soliciting or petitioning the Ministry for funding, but that it was instead encouraging Malaysian institutional participation. If you have any thoughts on this, let us know on our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-00. Now, clearly, there's a lot to unpack and clarify here. So we thought it'd be best to hear from the horse's mouth about the purpose of this financing round, how Carson will navigate this tougher funding climate as it drives towards profitability and an IPO, as well as get clarity around the supposed request of the Ministry of Finance to encourage investment from Malaysian institutions. Joining us on the line today is Eric Cheng, co-founder and group CEO of Malaysia's first unicorn, Carson. Uh, Eric, welcome back to BFM. Thanks, Roshan. Thanks for having me. You were on in April on the Breakfast Grill that time with Shazana. uh, And you said that Carson was on track for profitability in the second half of this year. Now, there's a lot of talk around your IPO coming soon with sources telling Deal Street Asia that Carson is looking to raise around three, four hundred million at a valuation of around two billion dollars. So maybe give us a sense of why the need to raise this bridge round instead of waiting for the IPO to raise funds. Yeah, sure. So I think there's a couple of questions there. So I'll try to tackle it one by one. Um, So I think if you look at last breakfast grill that I uh, had uh, earlier this year, uh, when I want to talk about in terms of us on track for profitability uh, in Carson, especially in the second half of this year, uh, it means that we expect to reach uh, that break-even point um, in some way Q3 or Q4 this year. So, and what that means, um, you know, to us in the company is that's an indicator that we're building a sustainable business model that, you know, would help us to be able to turn around from, if you look at the early days of Carson, we were more growth oriented strategy. That's what we apply. And hence, as much as a negative EBITDA uh, in the past few years, we have achieved uh, a, a, a strong growth rate coming from year on year uh, to the end last year, we have achieved uh, 1.5 billion in revenue. And, um, you know, following the shift of how we look at the market, there's so much volatility that's happening. Um, we took the measures that is necessary for us to go towards an accelerated profitability plan. So what that means is since last year, Q3, we started to move towards that plan and make sure that we can achieve that as soon as possible, which is this year. And in Q1 this year, 2023, you know, this, we, for the first time, we achieved operation profitability in the company. 
And, you know, there's a strong effort coming from uh, that, that change of strategy from the middle of year to where we have achieved um, on Q1. And subsequently, it helped us to gear towards to achieve the first company-wide profitability within this year, which is where we are expecting to be in the second half. So that position helped us really well. If you think about an IPO, uh, for our public listing, we should be able to go for a multi-billion dollar one when the time comes. Now, if you if you think about the second questions that you have in terms of the round that we have just um, recently raised, it's less of a bridge round to us uh, um, in, in that context because the purpose for us to raise the capital, um, there's a couple of points. So number one is to provide enough cash buffer so that we could be able to fund the operation of the company in order for us to achieve not just break-even, but continue to pursue some of the plans that we have. Which number two is, you know, the plans um, that we have within the business right now is to create an ecosystem that goes beyond buying and selling cars, but also venturing down to the ancillary services that revolve around you and I owning a car. So that broader approach is something that we want to pursue, um, you know, coupled with the buffers that we have created. Um, and I think number three is like all mid to late stage companies where, where we are right now is you want to build not just a sustainable business model, but at the same time, sustainable um, capital structures as you move forward to uh, the market, whether it's volatile or it's not volatile, it will help us to achieve that. And I think lastly, if you think about the IPO plan, um, what we always maintain is IPO is one of the good options that we could look at as we um, think about how we aspire to be a public ready company and eventually a public listed company. But given the current market situations, uh, the, the uncertainties, the volatility, I think one of the things we want to be sure is if the company has the option not to lease, we wouldn't want to be exposed to such a risk, even our investors, even ourselves. We wouldn't want to do that. So I think as, as a company front, uh, collectively, uh, you know, the, the, the people that we have in Carson, we want to do what we do best to continue operation, uh, to continue build the operation so that we are ready for uh, doing such thing um, and continue explore the other options that we have, um, you know, before we reach that next milestone. So you want to be IPO ready, but not necessarily have to go in IPO. Uh, and this cash is here to help you run the business, but also to pursue these ancillary businesses, which could be uh, in more growth stages as opposed to your current business or the mainstay business. But you know, the big concern that we're hearing around us is that people are worried that this money will just be burnt, right? That's, that the cash burn will uh, will continue and there are going to be sustainability issues there. How would you respond to concerns of, uh, the, of like that? So, so hence, you know, the way we look at the, the, the fundraising is to really strengthen the liquidity positions because for us, the most important thing is we know that this year we will be able to reach the break-even point. So with or without uh, the, the funding round, um, we will achieve that anyway. But with a stronger liquidity positions, it helps us position better in, in, in pursuing some of this growth initiative. And this growth initiative has many ways to add value to us, not just revenue, but also in terms of how we um, build a better customer experience and in turn offer more services in return to the customers as well. So I think this is you know where we think that um, with some of the investors who are interested in you know taking part of the journey, it helps us to position well as we go into not just achieving a company-wide um, break-even, but also as we go on pursue these growth plans, um, it allows us to do that with more flexibilities. Um, 
These growth plans that you're talking about, uh, Eric, uh, uh, are they mostly based on these ancillary services you were talking about earlier? And are these possibly higher margin products longer term? Um, a little bit of both, right, if you think about it. So we established ourselves as uh, the go-to platform for you, anyone to buy and sell cars. And so far, we've been associated mostly with used car. But I think that the, with the ecosystem that we have built, like including with iPar Asia, Wapcar, um, LCT, Car Times, all of this combined allow us to now venture into the ownership cycle. And you can imagine mm-hmm. things like insurance, after sales, financing, warranty. So the distribution's power of the platform now has gone beyond to just catering for one segment, but also more segments. And within those segments that we, we, we cater to, it allow us to offer these services. Um, so, and yes, I think coming from that revenue standpoint to the margin standpoint, it adds a lot of benefits to us, us building the business. Eric, hold on to that thought for a bit. Uh, we got to jump into a few messages. Folks, on the back of Carsom's latest funding round and recent criticisms that have been levied against the Malaysian unicorn, we've got co-founder and group CEO Eric Cheng on the line with us to get into the purpose of this financing round, how Carsom will navigate the tougher funding landscape, and of course, the reported request for the Ministry of Finance to encourage investment from Malaysian institutions. We'll be back in just a bit. I'm Roshan Kanesan. This is Enterprise Biz Bites. Keep it here to BFM 89.9. Best for money, BFM 89.9. Hey folks, welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanesan and today on the back of Carsom's latest funding round and recent criticisms that have been levied against the firm, we've got co-founder and group CEO Eric Cheng on the line with us to get into the purpose of the funding round, how Carsom will navigate the tougher funding climate and of course, the reported request for the Ministry of Finance to encourage investment from Malaysian institutions. Um, So, Eric, following up from where we were earlier, um, before the round was announced, the liquidity position was around $150 million, and after the round, around $200 million. So, while the round remains undisclosed, would it be fair to say that this is in line with the $45 million that Carson was reportedly looking to raise? So, yeah, I think coupling in between the time where we had that interview to now, um, yes, there's a net increase towards the liquidity of 50 million. Um, but of course, right, if you look at any businesses, that the liquidity positions changes from time to time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so I think again to emphasize on that point is that give that a strong liquidity position gives us the ability to pursue and 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 to be more focused on the key objective. And you know, for us, to be uh, to be honest, the effort is an ongoing effort. Like we will continue to look for. Um, healthy liquidity resources uh, that is sustainable that we can continue to pursue. Uh, now, Eric, I've seen some concerns. So could you maybe shed some light into um, the quality of the liquidity position? Because I've seen some comments where I say, oh, cars can be considered liquid assets as well. Yeah, I think to clarify that point, um, our liquidity positions are all cash and unburned facility. It has no part of that 200 million uh, consists of inventory or cars. Uh, so if we do add that, then I think we have easily a lot, a lot more of, of liquidity, right? If that is part of that. <laughs> All right. So the round saw participation from existing investors, Eric, but also brought in a long-term debt facility from a new investor, which we mentioned earlier, Evolution X. Um, why the need to go beyond the current cap table and tap a debt facility uh, for this round? So yeah, I think it's a good indicator, right? It's actually a good thing, especially is it's quite a norm for companies um, during the mid and late stage, uh, uh, late, late growth stage. Um, you know, companies where 
you know, traditionally equity has been a financing options during the early days, but it's also one of the most expensive options out there. And I think being able to have the ability to shift towards uh, utilizing that capital to reduce the cost of fund, cost of capital within the, the business is actually a very wise option um, and a smart one. So um, I think this is one of the reasons why we think that, you know, you know, we want to go to us to have such an investors to be part of uh, our strategic uh, roadmap. Um, and, you know, and I'm quite thankful that between Carson, we have a really strong team that knows how to do capital planning well, and which allow us to explore like a mixture of debt to equity structures um, that we can dedicate different use of funds for different specific areas uh, that, that, that is best suited off. Um, and I think specifically on Evolution X, you know, I feel that we are quite blessed to have the opportunity to work with them, given that I have been a strong, reputable debt investors uh, that was created jointly by Tomase and TBS. So they're not just providing us with capital injections, but at the same time of being able to offer us, um, you know, valuable advice, uh, strategic options in terms of how we can explore more sustainable capital planning in the future. So, um, you know, I'm quite blessed with those things. Uh, Naira, just to pick up on a point you mentioned earlier, so equity can be quite an expensive way to raise money. So you go through debt facilitating, uh, which isn't an uncommon practice for a lot of businesses. Now, on a related note, uh, you did have to issue a statement to clarify that you weren't soliciting or petitioning the Ministry of Finance for funding, but you were in, uh, that Carson was instead encouraging Malaysian institutional partnership, uh, I would presume through an equity stake or taking up an equity piece. Now, that said, all our GLCs and GLICs have their own investment committees, Eric. So there has been some criticism to say, why didn't you just go through their uh, investment companies as opposed to going through MOF, right? Because using a word like strongly suggest comes with a, it feels like it comes with a little bit of pressure uh, put on. Yeah, yeah, sure. So we, we submitted a letter with the full understanding and knowledge that all these institutions, the CLIC, the GLC, have the necessary control with the committees looking into this matter. Um, which we are talking to them at the same time as well. So for us, is it's not meant to seek a shortcut, um, you know, through MOF or seeking fundings from MOF, but the, it was meant to drop in response to us a few engagements, uh, discussions that we had uh, over in the early year, early part of this year, um, from the government's call for feedback in you know how they could drive and engage further with the startup community, and you know for me, you know especially as a company standpoint. Uh, we, we want to highlight this as an opportunity that's available that, that would help increase involvement, right, of Malaysia funds being able to take part and participate so that it can encourage growth um, overall for the country's startup ecosystem. Um, and, you know, so this is an opportunity that arises where it can be a part of that, that, that exercise, uh, where it's also in line with our fundraising exercise. Um, so on top of that, there's actually other things that we talk about also that involve broader engagement to us, uh, business collaborations and partnership. Um, but yeah, ultimately, the intention was to really make this as more engaging to us, how government could be, um, you know, cultivating the startup engagement and community growth. Now, I get that. Uh, and, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, comments or at least suggestions from uh, capital allocators in Malaysia, uh, from the startup ecosystem that, you know, the government needs to get more involved, uh, particularly at the early stage. But, you know, Eric, Kasim isn't at the early stage. You're quite late stage startup now. Your valuations are much higher. Um, 
isn't it a bit late to bring in or try to bring in uh, government or government-related institutions into your cap table? Not really. I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, all these funds has different mandates and serve for different purpose, whether it's early stage, growth stage, uh, mid to late stage, or even to, towards uh, an IPO round. So I think ultimately is it, 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 they can be a very strong contributor towards how uh, this could play a part in um, the nation's or Malaysia's economy, uh, which is, this is part of the opportunity that arises, not just on the early stage, but towards any other stages that they can also take part. Uh, on the back of Qasim's latest funding round and recent criticisms that have cropped up, we've got on the line with us their group CEO and co-founder Eric Cheng on the line to get into the purpose of the financing round that was recently announced, how Qasim will navigate the tougher funding climate that has been quite harsh. And of course, the reported requests are from the Ministry of Finance, which we just got into. We'll be back in just a bit. I'm Roshan Kandison. Keep it here to BFM 89.9. Behind Famous Men BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to Enterprise Biz Bites. I'm Roshan Kanison, and on the back of Qasim's latest funding round and criticisms that have been levied against the firm, we've got the group CEO and co-founder on the line with us, Eric Cheng. Um, and Eric's been getting us, taking us through the purpose of the financing round. Um, we also talked about the reported request of the Ministry of Finance to encourage investment from Malaysian institutions. And now we're going to talk a little bit about the tougher funding landscape. Uh, Eric, so just following up from our conversation earlier, if a, a look at other Southeast Asian unicorns like Grab shows us that losses are no longer being tolerated by public markets, with many investors who got it at certain IPOs getting burned. So as Carsom heads towards an IPO, um, whenever that may be, uh, there are concerns around Carsom's burn rate and ability to not just get to profitability, but also free cash flow. How will Carsom nav- not just navigate, but prove these concerns wrong? Yep. Um, and yeah, you're right. I think the, certainly a lot of these Southeast Asian companies uh, after going IPO, it, it certainly put a, a spotlight to it. How would the other fare, right? As and when they go for an IPO round as well. So um, if you think of the last 12 months of where Carsom uh, is uh, or was, um, we were one of the very first one within the, the, the region startup community, the entire Southeast Asia. Um, so far, we have been ahead of the curve uh, in terms of how we were positioning and tackling the shift um, when we looked at the, the market volatility to sentiments and even investor expectations. Um, we would have want, we were one of the first to to shift towards from growth oriented strategy uh, to reducing burn um, and, and made embracing prudence when it comes to um, accelerated profitability plan cost control um, in the middle of last year. And since then, we have you know showcased and some results. Uh, where earlier I mentioned that in early this year Q1 we achieved operation profitability, and later this year we would be able to uh, reach a, a, a break-even point for company wide. So um, some of these things are basically what we have done um, that you know help us to position better. That when the time comes for an IPO, we will be ready for it, and it will be. Um, basically offsetting some of these expectations or weaknesses that you know the market has been seeing with Southeast Asian companies going public. Um, and I think one thing to note also is, despite us positioning the business to be more um, um, cost-disciplined and go for profitability, we continue to see really strong growth coming out from the last 12 months. 
Um, one of the things of our B2C business, custom certified, is now contributing 35% of our uh, entire revenue pool. And that was a jump from previous 19% uh, in the year before. Uh, and, you know, our, our, our tech was lower by 60%, our acquisition costs, right? Uh, so it become a lot more cost efficient, but yet we sold 150,000 cars in the last year. And uh, we, our NPS score is all-time high at 77 points. Um, and, and then the ancillary services that we have uh, also launched, like our after-sales centers, experienced about 100% growth month over month. Um, our financing business now is catering for more customers with a, a, a bigger um, outreach towards uh, people who are buying car with us. So a lot of these things kind of you know, comes into the picture, which is what ties into that fundraising that we have just done recently um, that allow us to also pursue some of the other options that we are currently seeing. Um, and we hope, of course, you know, the second half this year, apart from announcing us being able to break even, is also to announce some of this growth plan that we have uh, currently planning. You noted that you dropped your uh, customer acquisition cost by about 60% there. Um, are you able to share with us how you managed to do that? Because that's a sizable number to be dropping your CAC. It is, it is. Um, and, you know, I think it, a big part of that contribution comes from us being able to reflect the synergies um, after we started to integrate the ecosystem approach with iCar Asia, Wapcar into Carson. So, for example, some of the features that you see live on Carson today in the app, um, uh, one of it called My Garage, where you can key in your car profile, keep track of your car valuations, and subsequently keep track of your insurance renewal date, um, financing, uh, uh, your financing uh, options, uh, and road tax, and all All this will be coming into the pictures. So some of these are reflected also in other platforms as you log into uh, iCar or Carlis in Malaysia. So and this naturally gives us that um, ecosystem approach where customers continue to um, uh, engage with us not just on the point of them buying a car, but also at the same time when they're owning a car up until they're selling that current one to upgrading to another one. So um, a lot of these efforts has been um, uh, poured into, uh, um, you know, creating the synergies across this platform over the last 12 months, which is one of the, the, the key movements when it comes to being able to lower down the acquisition costs because they have been participating in the ecosystem used by, by having various services offered by us and engaging with it. Uh, so, Eric, am I correct in un, uh, understanding that the a big part, a component of this lower uh, CAC is because of synergies from your other acquired assets? Correct, yes. And being able to reflect the, the services, the features across not just one platform, but the entire ecosystem through our multiple platforms. Now, Custom's never been afraid to go out and buy something if they need to, if they see the value for growth. Um, as in, and we've talked a lot about growth being a key part of your story going forward as well. Um, is inorganic growth still in the cards uh, looking ahead? Yeah, both organic and inorganic. Yeah, so I think... The, the, the liquidity positions that we have today, coupled with the growth and the customer base that we have, allow us to explore you know, various options, being uh, the opportunity to acquire something, opportunity to having a business partnership uh, like a JV with some other platforms or partners, even doing certain things within our own ecosystem. Um, so do, having those options available is actually a good thing, which is something that we, we think under this market condition, it helps us to even navigate even better. 
So if I tie in basically a, a different components of this conversation here is, yes, you're looking at growth, you're looking to raise, you've raised money here to keep, keep. I mean, you want to uh, improve your break even, you you're hitting the break even and profit, but you're not afraid to spend on growth in certain areas. So um, some of this inorganic growth could come from the ancillary services that you were talking about earlier? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Now, Eric, let's wrap up with this question here. And you know I have to ask you about the IPO, right? Uh, Deal Street Asia reported that Kasim is looking to go public through a dual listing on, Na- on the NASDAQ and the Singapore Stock Exchange that would value the company at around $2 billion. Um, what can you tell us about the timeline and the structure of Kasim's much-awaited IPO? Yeah. So, yeah, NYSE just congratulated us on uh, on their trading floor. So, you know, it's, it's, it's actually a, a, a massive thing for us. Uh, I think for us, is we continue to look for the best opportunity or, and the best um, timeline for us to bring the company public. Um, just right now, sadly, it is not the, the best time for us to go for that. Um, and, um, you know, having that options to consider when the market will be a lot smoother and better, um, you know, is something that we are constantly observing. Um, so it's just quite, you know, thank, we are, we're quite thankful with the shareholders that we have that none of them are in the rush to exit. Um, so they give us that, that confidence, that patience to continue um, building the business, you know, focusing on, you know, fixing the fundamentals and being able to pursue the growth. Um, you know, on top of that, also the break-even and profitability. Um, I think all of these things would come into an advantage to us when the global economy and the market conditions stabilize a lot further, uh, which would allow us to have a really good IPO. Eric, the Nasdaq is up around 30%-ish year to date. Is that something you're particularly keeping an eye on? Every day, yes. So, a few more good IPO, yes, even better. Eric, uh, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Rashad. Really appreciate it. That was Eric Chen, co-founder and group CEO of Malaysian Unicorn, Kasim. If you missed any part of that conversation, you can catch the podcast on our website at bfm.my or download the BFM app. You can also find our shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and other podcast players. Just search up for Enterprise Biz Bytes. Um, looking ahead, we've got a stellar conversation for you on the Breakfast Grill, the replay coming up after the 1pm news bulletin. And our guest earlier this morning was Zaid Ibrahim, political commentator and former law minister who's come up in the news again uh, following comments around Datu Sri Najib Razak. So you might want to stick around for that. I'm sure it's going to be a sizzling conversation, uh, which you can catch after the 1pm news bulletin. I'm Roshan Karnison, and this has been Enterprise Biz Bites. Uh, keep you here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.